Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Football Talk from the Yorkshire Post, where we'll be discussing some of the latest talking points from the world of football with members of our football writing team. On this week's episode, we're joined by Chief Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Stuart Rayner, and Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Leon Wobshaw, to discuss all of the latest developments affecting our local clubs. Don't forget you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging onto our website at yp.sport at nationalworld.com as well as checking out our various Twitter feeds, the main one being at YP Sport. If you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football, or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. And if you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages, or email us directly with the subject matter as footballtalkpodcast at yp.sport at nationalworld.com. Yorkshirepost.co.uk As mentioned earlier in the intro, this week we're joined by Chief Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Stuart Rayner, and Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Leon Wobshaw. Good morning, guys. Morning. Morning. Now, um, before we get into the analysis of this week's action, um, I don't think we can allow the passing of Sir Bobby Charlton to go on mentioned. Um, Sir Bobby Charlton was not only a magnificent footballer, but he was also a great ambassador for his club and football in general. Um, Stuart, I saw that you had a uh, comment piece on him in the Yorkshire Post. Um, w- would you like to share your views? Well, uh, I think I think one thing that strikes you is it, it's, it's 50 years since uh, Bobby Charlton, as he was then, played top-level football, and yet I, th- I suspect that on the day he died, pretty much, well, certainly most British adults would have would have known who he was. Um, you know, his 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 legacy lived on so long, and and you know, it's it's obviously it's always it's always a sad um, a sad time when when somebody like that passes away, as you said there in your intro, not just a not just a great footballer, but you know, a, a really well, really well respected you know person uh, and, and human being. Um, but you know, I think there are, I think there are quite sort of uplifting moments about it, and it, you know, it's been quite nice this last week to go around football grounds which you know weren't closely associated with Sir Bobby Charlton, and and hear hear fan bases singing his name. Um, you know, I was there at, uh, at at Rotherham on Wednesday night, as as was his brother Tommy, and you know, I I I, I would hope that. That he and, and 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 the rest of the family took a lot of solace from, you know, hearing Rotherham and Coventry City fans singing. There's there's only one Bobby Charlton that night, and and another another thing, you know, when when somebody like that dies, it's nice that you sort of um, you sort of get an opportunity to to revisit their lives. You know, the, 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 there'll be television programs about them. You know, there'll be radio shows. Uh, podcasts uh, f- full of full of memories about him. There'll be people searching YouTube to to watch some of his great goals. And uh, whilst I said, you know, most British adults will have will have known uh, that Bobby Charlton was a was a great footballer. Many of them will have learnt a lot more about him this last week. You know, seen just how good some of his some of his goals were. Heard some of the stories about about the player he was. And I think that's. I think that's the you know the nice thing about what's obviously a very a very difficult time for you know all, all the people whether they knew him or not who who loved this great man. Yeah, and I'd echo what Stuart says. I I think it's twofold really. I mean, he was obviously um, a little bit obviously a little bit too young to uh, to remember sort of watching him, but you know all the footage you see, you know he sort of got that 
sort of patent of that sort of driving midfielder, you know, powering forward with a a sledgehammer of a of a shot as well. I mean, obviously a world class footballer, and um, you know, in his time he he got plenty of personal awards as you know alongside sort of winning everything. You know, won the World Cup, won the um, won the European Cup in '68 with, with United. So you know, a player of you know, who garnered the term world class is, is overused, but you know, it certainly applies with, with, with Sir Bobby, you know, in terms of the, you know, the sixes in his area was up there with the, you know, the Eusebios and, and, you know, the uh, Franz Beckenbauer and, and, and Pele's, you know, it, it belongs in, in that Parthenon. And, and then there's, you know, then there's his individual, you know, story as well. You know, uh, a humble north northeasterner, uh, you know, a, a, a modest guy, self-effacing, and you know everybody knows what he what he went through in in you know nineteen fifty eight, and you know just just yeah, it's just hard to still now all these years on fathom what he what he actually went through. You know, people who um uh, you know he, he grew up with coming through at United, you know, taken a taken away from him and. Um, you know, he's had to carry that to carry that burden for the rest of his life. You know, it's, it's probably probably even touches of guilt as well. You know, his friends died, and why, why did I survive? That's that sort of thing. And um, you know, you just can't sort of comprehend what he what he went through. And then you know, to rebuild his his career as well. You know, from from that time, you know, reach the top of his profession is you know is staggering and all. You know what all power to him and you know I think I read some somewhere on on Sunday and you know I totally agree with it that it's almost like a, a little piece of England that had sort of died as well you know everything that he stood for as a as a human being you know being modest self-abasing you know no sort of no sort of grandstanding or you know is showing off in his in his character or makeup when you know some probably would have done wouldn't they really but that wasn't what um, Sir Bobby was all about, and uh, I think as well something that I touched on as well that's I've sort of read and um, probably is important more so in in the context of you know, Manchester United. It was you know in the difficult times in the you know the late eighties, probably start of the nineties that Alex Ferguson endured. He was you know, by all accounts Sir Bobby was and, and probably one or two others, and but that was about it. But were rocks solid and, and stalwart in the in, in the backing towards Sir Alex and saying, you know, it, it'll tear, we'll get things right and um, standing full square behind him and um, you know what a what a decision that was, you know, in the in the context of United and, and for English football. So you know, alongside his qualities his massive qualities of, as a footballer, you know, I think just as important is to recognise his values as a person. Yeah, I think I think that's really important, Leon, and 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 that's the thing. As I say, it, it's fifty years since he since he played at the top level. He he only had a brief brief run in management, and it didn't go very well with Preston North End. But he still managed to have such a big influence on the game. Yeah. You know, uh, after that, as you say, you know his support for Alex Ferguson. He set up the Bobby Charlton Soccer Schools, which obviously did a lot for young kids, most notably David Beckham. Um, 
you know came through that he he did a he did a lot of work to help um the olympics come to london in 2012 um but i think more than anything you know i think we're talking a, a footballer it's probably not too great an exaggeration it's difficult for leon and i to say not having been bought born when he was playing but we're probably talking on a, fo- a football on, on, on a not dissimilar level to sort of Messi and Ronaldo but I, I think you know it, Leon's already mentioned his you know Manchester United a couple of times I've mentioned David Beckham there he's very closely associated with Manchester United we know they're a Marmite football club but but still that's there's a universal respect for him and I don't think it's just because he did what he did for England. I think it's those those human qualities that that we've already mentioned. You know, the fact that he was so humble, the fact that he he, he did clearly just love football. You know, he wasn't a perfect human being because there's never been a perfect human being. You know, but we've heard so many good stories about how how he was so good to to fellow professionals, to to members of the public. You know, just enthusiastic about football, keen to do, keen to see all footballers do well. And make and make the most of their potential, you know, and to to have all those qualities and still have the competitive spirit to make yourself one of the best footballers in the world, you know. Leon and I were both born in the seventies, and and for for people our age growing up, Bobby Charlton was just a name synonymous with football and and what was good about football, and I think that's that's why it's you know probably hit a few people um, quite hard the last week, even though. You know, he's he's basically been, you know, really hidden from public view for the last couple of years because of because of the horrible illness he's had with his his dementia. Um, it's still it's still it still comes as a bit of a shock, and it still sort of hits you a bit because he's just one of those figures that you just always associate with the game and with the the good things about the game. And uh, yeah, it's it, it's sad that he's gone, but as, as I say, it is nice that people have been reminded that you, that you can be a genuinely nice guy and a top footballer as well. Yeah, you, you just you just sort of think think of, of Sir Bobby, and he, he's obviously been to hundreds of of dinners and sort of posh dos, things like that. You just get the image of him; he's, he would be never happier than you know when he could sort of probably mix on the on the training ground with with Manchester United players, and you know, I, I know, you know, particularly in the sort of night as you'd see pictures of him at uh, training sessions with, with Sir Alex Ferguson and you know that just seemed to be to be Bobby didn't he you know a, a, a sort of working class lad who was totally in, in love with um, with football the games and not not all the sort of modern day sort of trappings of it and you know getting pat, pats on the backs every five minutes you know it was a it was a it was a football man he seemed you know never happier than than when he was in the in the surroundings of of his club and um, and uh, you know the next generation of footballers coming through and you and you know you listen to the the comments of the likes of you know David Beckham um, the Neville brothers etc and you know it's clear to see that it was um, it was a, a massive influence uh, upon them in the uh, in the background and um, you know he. He'll have been delighted at the stellar careers that they have. And uh, now we turn to the main body of the podcast. And this week we saw the return of league football with Rotherham United's game against Ipswich Town being called off due to the weather. 
um, before playing out a 2-0 victory against Coventry City. Um, Leeds United pulled off an amazing second-half comeback to claim all three points against Norwich City, which was followed by a 1-0 defeat against Stoke City, which was incredibly frustrating. Sheffield Wednesday's search for their first win of the season continues after their defeat at Watford, which was followed by a disappointing 3-0 defeat away at Plymouth Argyle. Middlesbrough claimed a late 1-0 victory over Birmingham City and followed it up with a 2-1 victory over Norwich City. Uh, Doncaster Rovers uh, claimed a 2-1 victory over Tranmere Rovers and we also saw Bradford City have to share the points in their one all meeting with Wrexham. Uh, Harrogate Town claimed a valuable 2-1 victory uh, with Colchester United before falling to a 4-1 defeat at home to Mansfield Town. Um, now, let's start in the Premier League with Sheffield United, who fell to a 2-1 defeat when they hosted Manchester United. Uh, the Blades fell behind in the 28th minute before Ollie McBurney levelled the score from the penalty spot uh, six minutes later. However, the visitors uh, retook the lead with less than 20 minutes uh, left and claimed all three points. Um, what was your assessment of the game and where can the team improve ahead of their game against Arsenal, Stuart? Um, well, I think... I think one encouraging thing for Sheffield United, you know, we've seen them play a few of the a few of the division's big guns this season. I mean, you can argue whether Manchester United are one of those right now, the form they're in, but nevertheless, you know what I mean? The you know, high profile clubs and we've seen them play very defensively, frankly. We've seen them, you know, we saw them part of the bus against Manchester City. It was pretty similar against Tottenham. Um Hit them both with a clever, you know, with a with a clever counter attack, but nevertheless, quite quite a necessarily negative game plan. But um, this time against Manchester United, they were a lot more positive. They were the better team, frankly, for the first half hour until until Scott McTominay uh, scored. And you know, one of the interesting facts it, it, uh, about it, it was kind of it was forced on them by injuries, but they they switched to a back four to a four four two. Obviously, Sheffield United for a long time now we've sort of associated with back threes, but but they look good for it actually. Um, Hamer and, and McAtee playing out wide in the midfield got into the game quite a lot. You know, it seemed it seemed a good way to have both of those in the team without losing too much defensively. Uh, they looked solid, but they were I say they were a lot more ambitious than they'd been in those those games and. Paul Higginbottom said after the game that it was something he'd been considering regardless of um, the injury that came to Anil Ahmed Hodic, which which forced it. We'll never know what would have happened if he were fit, but but maybe, maybe there's just a little bit of a blueprint there for how they can, as you say, how they can just improve and, and, and take things on. We talked on the last podcast about how Wolves was the really big game coming up Arsenal is the sort of last game before that, and we, you know, we were saying last week they needed to use these these two games beforehand to really get in, in good shape mentally for Wolves. Well, I guess ta- I guess tactically as well. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that was I think that was a, a positive for them. Uh, once, e- even though Sheffield United got back into it with Ollie McBurney's injury, I think once McTominay scored, Manchester United took a lot more confidence. And in fairness. Took con- took control of the game, and McBurney's injury, which he was carrying, even when he when he scored his penalty, certainly didn't help. Um, so, by no means have 
Sheffield United's problems being solved uh, with that performance, but it was just a little pointer, perhaps, as as to the way to go in future. They do need to start picking up points. You know, then they they can't. Uh, they're not going to stay up by uh, by by points points deductions for other teams and things like that. They have to they have to take things into their own hands. They have to start picking up points. Yes, it's true to say that you know that we'll be saying next week. Well, they're always going to struggle to get something out of Arsenal, just like we've been saying about Manchester United this week. But somewhere somewhere along the line, they have to start picking up wins um, because already teams are starting to pull away from them. Yeah, you, you sort of look at the the sort of predicament they're in and, um, you know, as this is often the way with a, a side who were, who were clearly struggling and, it, yeah, it was always going to be a, a struggle, wasn't it? And they're having touches of, of it, you know, injury mis- misfortune that, that could so much do without. And, you know, at the minute, I just, I just think just got to be pragmatic and the main thing is just just trying to somehow keep in touch with the team who were who were, who were fourth on bottom, and obviously at the minute it's 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 um, Luton and you know, United play them um, over Christmas, and that'll be a, a, a huge game just to sort of just somehow keep the fingers crossed that they're still going to be in, in in the game. You know, as as, as we get into the into the depths of winter, obviously huge, huge games against Wolves, um, uh, trips to Burnley as well. And, um, yeah, they just, you just think for their own, um, their own sakes, they're going to have to dig out a win just pretty soon. Else it, you know, it will become, you know, psychological on the, on, on the top of it, you know, everything else, you know, when you, when you go in this long without a, without a victory and um, you know there has been some half decent performances along the way they've had touches of luck have, have gone against them alongside the, the injury problems one or two well one or two heavy beatings including a huge you know a huge a huge defeat obviously but um, yeah you just hope for their own sort of sense of well-being that, that, and, and Paul Heggenbottoms as well that they can dig out something from from somewhere because they're um you know, obviously, it was a it was a pretty characterful and spirited um, performance, and several ticks in the boxes against Manchester United, but but no points again. And um, yeah, they're they're taking a lot of punishment. Yeah, I, I mentioned the points deduction earlier. There's you know been reports this week that the Premier League is going to ask for Everton to be uh, deducted twelve points because of financial fair play regulations and all that that sort of thing, but. Um, I mean that's something that's going to drag on. Um, that I don't think we're going to know at the very least until the second half of next season if that's being resolved. I think it, you know it might not even be resolved this season. So it's not it's not something that that Sheffield United can bank on. But it, I guess it, it's another it's another slight encouragement. But let's say ultimately, as we both said, they need to start taking things into their own hands and uh, and picking up points. You know we can. We can make excuses for this game and that game, saying, "Well, they weren't expected to win this. They weren't expected to get points out of that. They just have to get points from somewhere." And say we we did we did highlight Wolves the other week as a, a as a big opportunity, but you know they they can't pick and choose. They've just got to if if Arsenal are slightly off it and they have a bit, you know, they have a, have a bit of that 
bad luck repaid or, you know, Arsenal get some freak injury or something like that. They've got to pounce at it and take the chance. If they don't get the chance, they've got to move on to the next game and and take it again. But, you know, the the, the one, one encouraging thing about that Manchester United game was they are still fighting. And that is one thing you can always say about this group. They are they are a group of fighters, but fighting alone doesn't get you get you by in the Premier League. It's not it. You don't you don't survive in the best league in the world by just fighting. You've got to have quality as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they need to they need to find a bit a bit more from somewhere because you know it's looking like being a a, a grim. Well, it will be a very grim season if they don't. Yeah, I mean, it, the, obviously there are. Starting to get similarities with the last time they went, obviously they went mm. down a few few years ago, and in regardless of of the teams who play, I mean they've probably got what 10, 10, 11 games now until the turn of the year, and you know in sort of crude terms they're probably going to have to win at the very least two or three of them, you know, possibly three or four to just give give them some sort of fighting chance, and you know, if they can get a few few wins in this spell up until t- January. Then they can sort of maybe then a little bit of hope to hopefully readdress things in the in the winter window to give themselves a snip. But uh, to do that, they're going to have to get you know two at least for me two or three wins, three really, just to give themselves um, a, a fighting chance or the narrative season will be there before January. And uh, next, we turn our attention to the Championship and Hull City, who fell to a 2-1 defeat when they hosted Southampton. This was then followed by a 2-0 victory when they paid a visit to Birmingham City. Um, This sees the Tigers sitting just outside the playoff spots on 20 points. With Liam Rossini's men in the position that they are now, do you feel that he'll be pleased with the team's performances, Leon? I think on the one hand, there's a fair bit to be be pleased about. I mean, you you look at Hull this time um, last year they were, they were without a manager and just outside of the of the relegation zone so yeah he's done some you know he's approaching his first year in charge and um, he's done done some sterling work he obviously built built the foundation made them harder to beat and um, dragged them out of trouble you know now it's on to the um, on to the next step uh, you know an, an important win in, in midweek against Birmingham coming off the back of the the game against um, Southampton at home on on Saturday, which which I actually I actually covered, and uh, you know very frustrating from a from a whole perspective. They've they've been hard to beat at at, at home, and I, I think they've not been beaten prior to Saturday at home. I think it was something like April the first, um, and Burnley beat them. So difficult to beat on home soil, but you know the, the the number of draws that were that were creeping in and. And you know, talk about the you know lack of ruthlessness and finish finishing off the teams, and obviously showing a lot of good good play offensively going forward. But you know, you need to match that up with with weight of goals, and they've been you know suffering from that in um, in, in in some regards. Whole you know, not having that um, you know floating like a butterfly, but um, sort of stinging what like one almost, and. Um, yeah, he, he spoke afterwards with Senior about, you know, getting that sort of balance, being a little bit pragmatic between, you know, maybe shoring up his, his side a little bit. And um, and then obviously they've got quite a lot of, you know, the flair players, the Scott Twines, the Philly Jeans, and just, just getting that sort of happy medium. 
and um, yeah, it was a little bit self-inflicted in the end against Southampton. They switched off um, right at the death, and, uh, and Southampton got a win in the fifth minute of stoppage time. So you know, they talk about not being beaten at home for so long. It you know, it, it starts to flip around, doesn't it? People are looking at it thinking, well, we've had six home games, we've only won one. They're not sort of looking at the fact that um, that, that they haven't been beaten. So yeah, I think uh, an important game going to Birmingham and. Um, you know, I think in, in terms of the team selection as well, it was sort of interesting to see the way that Messina would go, and he brought in another another central defender. He he brought in Sean McLaughlin, and he was he was with um, uh, Alfie Jones and um, and Jacob Greaves, and I don't watch Stuart things. I quite like those three when they when when they're together. They, you know, they're, they're what I'd probably call. Um, proper defenders and you've got a good defensive base there for me so you know that um, you know it, it clearly worked from a, from a defensive sense in going to Birmingham getting a clean sheet and getting getting a good three points and, and the form on the road has been decent I think they've I think they've won about is it four or five games away from home the stats are the stats are right up there defensively and um, you know as the as the sort of Ross uh, the sort of fixed itinerary has it that they're at home um, straight away on on Saturday. So if they can sort of win, if they can beat Preston, then they can, um, you know, start a sort of addressing that thorny issue of, of getting more more home wins and start on a run again, hopefully. And because um, the home numbers aren't aren't great and maybe holding them them back a little bit. But I think in in the round, in the greater scheme of things, Hull are doing. All are doing, you know, pretty well, all things considered. You know, they made some some smart buys in in the summer. Um, Liam Delap, I know he, he missed a couple of chances against um, against um, Southampton last last week, and also scored as well. It, it's got to be said, shown a bit of character in netting in the game at, at St Andrews, and you know, he's a he's a, he's a young player with a lot of talent, energy, drive. I, I like the look of him. Um, Jaden Philogene as well. He brings quite a quite a few offensive gifts to the table. Although I think he'll need to brush up on his on his defending a little bit, given his part in one of the well Southampton goals. But he's an exciting player. Scott Twine as well. You know they're a good, confident, um, watchable, talented side going forward. But it's um, just that little bit of consistency. At um, you know at home, if they if they can sort of piece together a few more wins, you know that. And sort of sort sort that out a little bit. You think that you think they'll be in business? Yeah, I think I think Leon's hit the nail on the head there. Really, you know that Liam Rossini has been there about a year now, and he's he's built a, a really good foundation. And you know what, some chairmen don't seem to realise if if you want to build a foundation for something good, something that will last, it will take you that sort of time. Um, and the next thing is to is to take it on to the next level and just and just build on it. And yeah, you know, there have been frustrating games, particularly at home where they they've drawn and you 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 felt like they should should win. But you know what what Rossini is trying to do is is stuff that will that will take time. You know, and if you'd said to most Hull fans in the sort of state they're in. When Shotter Abeladze got sacked, when when Andy Dawson was was caretaker manager last season, that this time next year you'll be you know only outside of the playoffs on goal difference, 
you'd have definitely taken that. Um, yeah, I think that I think there's a there's a lot of good there. You know, they've obviously they've spent a bit of money on on players like Philogena, but you know, Leon mentioned those uh, those three centre backs. They're all players who've been coached not just by Rossinia, but Grant McCann and Avalado as well to turn them from League One defenders into really you know high quality championship defenders um yeah i think i think hull are doing a, a lot of things right and you know who knows i hope not but maybe this might be a season where they 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 go close and just fall short and it takes another year for them to 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 get to exactly where they where they want to be but the point is this this is a this is a carefully done building process although they've got money they're not sort of throwing throwing it at quick fixes I think they're trying to do things the right way, and as Leon says, they were they were they were a good team to watch because of that. Um, and yeah, I think it's just a case of put faith in Rossinia, put faith in the in the people running the club, because I think most Hull fans would recognise that they're you know by and large doing that the right way, and and build on this build on this foundation that has been laid, and it's you know it's just a. It's just just a, a lesson in patience in a sport where all of us, let's be honest, that includes journalists, fans, chairman, everyone, can be short of patience at times. But I think they're I think they're gradually working in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I totally agree agree with that. It's you know it's nice and nice and relatively settled now at now at Hull. We touched on the home form a little bit of an issue there, but it's you know it's not a massive issue, is it? Let's 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 be honest and. You know, it's important to rewind. You know, where where there were at this time. Um, you know, last year there'd been some sort of scattergun recruitment. You, you didn't. You sort of watched them and didn't really know what what they stood for in terms of you know playing style. And the, it didn't look a really sort of uh, a together and coherent side. And you know, now that now they are really, aren't they? You know, they offering quite a bit going forward. Just need to. You know, brush up a little bit in the you know in the game management and um, being a little bit more ruthless in you know at the sharp end of the of the pitch. Now, if they're in this sort of position when it gets to January, it, 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 there should be a lot of optimism among among Hull supporters, and I don't think they'll have to necessarily do that much in the January window as well. You know, maybe one or two here and there, but you know they've got most things in place. Really, they've got some. You know, very very talented players going forward. They've, they've got um, a decent understanding at the back, and I've, I mentioned earlier. I, I, you know, I, I, I do like it when the three of them are, are in there. And Stewart's right to say they've, they've played together for you know for a wee while now, and they, they know each other's they know each other's um, games, and there's a, a bit of understanding. So yeah, I, I think Hull just need to um, a little bit mindful with the home form, but carry on. Um, regardless, and um, get themselves in a in a decent position for the new year. And if it's around where where they are now, yeah, all well and good. Yeah, and you know, listen, there's different ways to run a football club. There's different ways to play the game, but clubs could do a lot worse than looking at what Hull City have done and, and yeah. trying to copy it, copy a bit of that. You know, they they they're going about things in a, in a very good way, and they're the sort of club. Rossini is the sort of coach. Illy is the sort of personality 
that you want to see do well because, as we say, they're trying to play entertaining football. They're trying to, you know, get the get fans involved with the ticket prices and all this sort of thing. Um, you, you'd rather see a team succeed that way than in in, in some of them some of the less attractive ways. Let's put, let's put it that, uh, that way in, in an ideal world. But you know, it will test the patience at times because. Football's never, never that straightforward. But I, personally, I, I've got a lot of faith that that Liam Rossini can be a success at that football club. And uh, yeah, there, there, there will be the odd wobble, but I think uh, I think it's just a case of uh, of sticking with it, and and uh, and and we'll get the rewards, I'm sure. And uh, now we turn our attention to Huddersfield Town, who were able to overcome QPR in a 2-1 victory to give Darren Moore his first win as Terrier's boss. Um, this was then followed by a disappointing 4-0 defeat when they went head-to-head with Cardiff City. How important is it for Darren Moore to get that first victory on the board and how should the Terriers look at the last two results, Stuart? Um, well, it was a really curious one because, you know, if you'd, if you'd asked me a couple of days ago how important is it was it for Darren Moore to get that first victory on the board, you'd say, well, it's vital, of course. You know, it, it changes the whole mindset of a of a football club. It just instills belief and all this sort of thing. But on Tuesday, there was very, very little evidence of that. I mean, admittedly, they went behind to a second-minute own goal. So, you know, that, that very quickly changed... Uh, changed their balance, but they they played with the confidence of a team that looked like it had lost its last ten games, not a team that had won its last game. There was just a real timidity about them. There was a real um, flatness about the crowd. I don't think they have bought into what Darren Moore's trying to do. I say um, there was there was so many times when they were frustrating the crowd passing the ball around the back because they're just either they didn't have the belief to 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 play that slightly riskier pass or the players in front of them weren't giving them the options to play that pass um the defenders were really standing off players i mean that's how that that's how that first goal uh, was created you know standing off Josh Bowler allowing him to to get across in and then Michael Hellick not being close enough to uh, to Callum Robinson to actually block the but the back heel that came its way. And yeah, they, they just look really, really short on confidence for a team that had only lost one of its last eight games. Now, admittedly, there'd been a few draws in there, but, you know, it was one of those where, so I'd seen them, I'd seen them against uh, Sheffield Wednesday when they were very timid. And, uh, you know, you could say they, they let a out-of-form team off the hook, perhaps with a nil-nil draw, but, you know, at least they, at least they were solid enough defensively, but uh, I haven't seen them that often this season. And, and to to sort of um, look at the results and then sort of contrast that with the performance and the mood of the place was quite telling. You know, it maybe, it, it maybe gave you an indication that those results have perhaps been a, a, a little bit deceptive. Uh, certainly that the fans think those results have been a little bit deceptive. Um, and I just think Darren Moore's got a lot of work to do to just put some belief in that team particularly i would have thought when they when they concede early goals because it seems that when they when they do concede an early goal i mean the, the point about conceding in the second minute nowadays with the way games last that means you've got more than 90 minutes 
you know, to make up just a one goal deficit. Um, but it, there seems to be a pattern that when they concede early, they often lose quite badly. Um, and they need to shake that. They need to, he just needs to get more belief into them somehow. Um, because they're not, they, they, they were way off their potential, uh, last night, you know, the, uh, on, on Tuesday night. They're not the most, the most talented squad in the league by a long shot, but neither are they as poor as they played on Tuesday evening because really they were, they were, they were woeful in terms of their, I say, their, their defending, their timidity on the ball. Um, he needs to get into their heads and get them so much better because they've got a big game coming up at, at, at Leeds United on, on Saturday. And if, if they, regardless of result, if they don't show up on Saturday, and they put in a performance of that level, then the fans will rightly be furious. Yeah, I, I sort of look at Huddersfield and this sort of run to the end of, of the year, and it just, not for the first time, it looks a bit of a time where they're, they're going to have to dig in a little bit and hopefully chisel out um, a few wins. Obviously, Darren Moore's been brought in for the, for the long term, but, you know, in, in, in the here and now, I've... I think I had a look the other the other day, and I think they're I think the three points be- better off than they were at this stage last year. So that's that's not a real lot, is it? But, you know, considering it was you know a, a season which was pretty pretty well a, a season long battle against um, relegation. You know, the, the worry for me with Huddersfield is that see they've got one or two injuries at, at the minute. If they, if they get a couple more, you know, say you know a Jack Radoni or a, uh, Mikkel Helly, some of the big players, is, there just looks deficiencies in that um, squad underneath. That's not disrespect, disrespecting a lot of the players there. It's just they haven't got that sort of those championship miles on on the clock. And you know, I think it will be. I mentioned January earlier. I think it could be of you know key importance to to Huddersfield, especially if they're you know in this similar. You know, area of the table. You know, just above um, the relegation zone. They're going to have to do some, do some work. And so they didn't do a great deal in the summer. I think they only bought in was it four or five players, and that was a couple of players on loan. And then Bergs obviously came on loan. But you know, in terms of the, of the of the main buys, they've not really. You know, Ben Wiles aside, um, that's that's pretty much a, you know about it. So they brought a backup keeper as well in in Maxwell. But um, they look aside to me who um, look look a bit short in terms of the of the squad squad options in terms of that sort of championship now. And um, yeah, for me, it's a big time in in the season. Obviously, uh, a big test of the of the metal and, and character going to lead after what happened in in uh, midweek. And not too many people saw that coming. To be fair, it was it looked a a decentish game after getting the three points against. Um, um, QPR, Cardiff had sort of had a, a pretty good start to the season, but one or two signs that they were fading off a little bit. So that was a real um, shock to the system, and um, you know, big test for them at Leeds. I suppose if they, if they need any incentive, they might want to take a little bit of a look at how Sheffield Wednesday approached it um, at the end of the, of the, of the summer. Because, you know, you, you sort of think that if Huddersfield try and um, take on leads, they might get the fingers burnt a little bit, but um, I think I think the bigger picture is they've just got to provide themselves with some 
some results to lift um, confidence in this start of the winter because um, you know yeah, yeah that was a that was a bruising result in midweek. Is it six points out of eight teams got Darren Moore and you know, they, we've spoken about it before in, in the podcast that you know the fear was that if, it's, if there weren't enough sort of results early on you get the music in the background saying, oh, why do we get worn off this sort of thing? And, you know, it's not as simplistic as that, but, you know, that, that will that will be there, won't it? And, um, yes, yeah, Stuart's right to say as well, you know, psychologically it'll be a, an important game for them on Saturday at Leeds United. Yeah. I, th- I think the thing that allowed me, and maybe I'm reading too much into one game, in all fairness, but, you know, Leon's right. There isn't there isn't much depth, depth in that squad, but that's the reality, you know. There, there, there isn't much quality, but that again, that's the reality of, of how much they had to spend in the uh, in the transfer market in the in the summer. But if you told me that a squad with Jonathan Hogg in it, with Matty Pearson in it, with Mikhail Hellick in it, with Tom Lee's in it, albeit he's been injured and not played many minutes under Darren Moore, if you told me a squad with those players, this is something we referred to when Neil Warnock came in, would be mentally weak. That would worry me. That should be that should be the one given with that squad. For all the other deficiencies, there's some tough characters in that squad. They they looked fragile that night. They looked too easily beaten by what was a bit of a fluke, you know, a back heel bouncing off off Matty Pearson going into the goal. Just looked to do too much damage to them psychologically. And I say with the players in that squad, that that shouldn't be happening. Uh, they 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 should be tougher than that. And you know the flip side of having such a difficult game against against Leeds United on Saturday is that if they win it, that could do huge amounts for their for their self belief. But f- from somewhere they they need to they need to do you know do a better job between the ears, frankly, because I say the the other the other deficiencies are kind of unavoidable at least until until the January transfer window opens. But that is the sort of squad you should really want to have rolling their sleeves up for you with with, with characters like that in it. And, you know, I say they they, they 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 got stuck in and, you know, they were very resolute at Sheffield Wednesday in that game, I saw. It's not that they haven't got it in them, but it just seemed to be too easily knocked out of them on that night. And I say, I, I hope I hope that was just a one-off. But for me watching it, it was quite an alarming thing to see on the night. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think as well with the, you know, these three game weeks, they do they do test you sort of mentally, physically, and in terms of your your options as well. It's you know when there are deficiencies in in the squad, it just makes it that bit harder, doesn't it? But he's he's tried to sort of. Freshen things up a little bit against Cardiff, but it just just didn't work, did it? And um, I suppose the good thing, in some respects, is you look, you look at November and it's it's pretty much sat at, um, and, until the end. It's, it's obviously a break as well, but it, they've got a few weeks where it's Saturday to Saturday, haven't they? Huddersfield now, and maybe that'll that'll um, give them that bit of you know extra time on 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 the training ground because. Um, yeah, it, it just look, looking at what Huddersfield have got at the minute. Um, they're one of the clubs that three game weeks uh, look to be a bit of a, um, a a bit of a problem, and it's hard to get sort of uh, consistency. 
Yeah, and that, that, that's an excellent point by Leon. And, and just just to back that up, I mean, I saw them lose four 0 at home to Norwich. The, you know, the last time they lost four 0 at home, and then straight after that, they had a, a Saturday 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 week, and they won both those games. They beat West Brom and Rotherham. So yeah, perhaps, perhaps should have taken more into account that 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 very good point about about three three game weeks. That that is definitely definitely a factor, but you just you just wanted to see them grit their way through it a bit more. I think that I think that was that was the thing for me. But as Leon says, that is partly a consequence of of how left how short they've, they've left themselves as a squad. And again, on on you know relying on these characters who are who have got that sort of toughness in them, but you know inevitably because of their age, it's harder for them to. You know, reproduce yeah. uh, their best form uh, twice in twice in in ninety minutes. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully next week uh, we're sat here and you're saying to me what what were you fussing about? Um, but um, just just on the night, it was just quite quite striking and striking quite alarming. Mm, yeah, I think they'll probably be grateful for, for small mercy Stuart in the respect. It's, I mean, it's a tough enough game. At, you know, whenever you go, really going to. Uh, Ellen Road, West Yorkshire Derby. They have they have had a a day in effect a day extra to prepare than these, haven't they? And, uh, yes. You know, Lincoln, it, it, obviously their they've got their squad options are, are stronger than Huddersfield, but they've got I suppose they've got the thin end, end of the wedge in the respect that they were the last game on against on, in the Wednesday night program, and they're there, and the first out on on Saturday lunchtime. But um, yeah, given what. Um, They've got in their armoury. They, uh, you know, Huddersfield won't be reading too much into that. You know, Leeds have got the, the they've got the the sort of depth to to bring you know top championship players back. So, but Huddersfield will they'll at least be be glad of that they've had the days um, extra rest or extra well, not so much rest but preparation time after a, after a hammering like that. And um, Darren Moore should at least be happy with that. Yeah. And he knows a thing or two about recovering from four 0 defeats as well, of course. Yeah, yeah. true enough. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, next, we turn to League One and Barnsley, who had to settle for a point after playing out a one-all draw when they welcomed Leighton Orient to Oakwell. Even though they salvaged a draw, they also went down to ten men when substitute Sam Cosgrove was sent off for two bookable offences. This was then followed by a three-nil victory when the Tykes welcomed Shrewsbury Town. Um, what, what did you make of the two results and how did they approach their upcoming game against Fleetwood, Leon? I think, first of all, there was, you've got to say, a bit, a bit of karma for, for Barnsley. The, not just Neil, Neil Collins, but it's, you know, his predecessor, Michael Duff, laboured long and hard about the fact that Barnsley were getting the thin end of the wedge in terms of penalty decisions. And you know, it almost become a bit of a bit of a running um, joke. I think they only got, I think it was one last season, and that was I can't remember if it was. I think it was at Forest Green, and it was, I think it was either missed or they scored a rebound. I can't quite remember. But in terms of penalties at, at Oakwell, I know that they got one in the cup last season against Crew because I covered that game. But they hadn't, and until Tuesday night's game against Strewsbury, they hadn't had one at home in the league for. Um, I think it was March 2022, which is something like, I think it was 33, 34 games. So, 
crikey, it's a, a long time between drinks, wasn't it? And they had a, a dodgy penalty awarded against them at, at Leighton Orient for, for a bit of context on on Saturday, a handball against um, uh, against Jamie McCart, which um, looked a bit of a soft one. On the flip side, they had a bit of a soft one themselves on 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 Tuesday. You know, a, a, a drive from Barry Cotter. It was a ferocious drive, and it and it hit the hit the arm of of Carl Winchester, the the player, and didn't look too much intent. And it it did look harsh. And obviously Barnsley in their position, they're not going to look a gift horse in the mouth, given you know, the lack of penalties they've, they've had. So a little bit of um, rubber the green there, and and also ironically enough, a few minutes later there was an instance at the at the other end. Of, you know, having seen a replay, you've certainly seen them given when you know a Shrewsbury player was um you know, his shirt would, was tugged by male D Vinci and that could have been a penalty very easily for for Shrewsbury. Barsley go up the other end and and score, make it two nil and um that was pretty much the the game. So yeah, there'll be there'll be relief and a and a sense of maybe the clock was round at last after to get in the penalty and um, I think more importantly there's you know, we've spoken about Hull with the with the home home form and um, you know Barnsley's form has been patchy this season you know, it was so good at the you know in the, in the second half of last season I think they won eight or nine in, in, a, in a row and you know going into the game on Tuesday they'd lost four of, uh, four of the first six and um, you know a few questions being asked, and to be fair, respect to Shrewsbury and, and respect also to the side that Barsley play on Saturday at home in Fleetwood, to the games that, if you are serious about, you know, being among the movers and shakers at the top of the division in League One, you've got to negotiate and win. And um, Barsley were good at that last season, amongst amongst other things. So that was um, it was pleasing on that count. Um, you know, a, a professional um, performance against against Shrewsbury there were some good stuff going forward in the first half the second half was a bit more you know game management and, and seeing it out so that it was you know stepping the in the right direction if they can get a win against Fleetwood on on Saturday will um you know quieter than any, any talk about about the home issues for the um for the time being and it was a good night for Barnsley um Oxford uh, in second place they slipped up so you know that 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 gap's down a little bit, and um, yeah, they're in a. I think all things considered, they're in a in a decent place. Very, very strong away from home at um, at the minute, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's all things considered a great great start for um, for Neil Collins. But I, I think in the the revolution, maybe looking forward, looking at the wins this season, they haven't really had a had a sort of scalp, if you like, in, in inverted commas. They've played a few of the bigger sides, or other sides tipped to do well in League One and they've come up a little bit short. I did the Peterborough game at home. They were beaten. Uh, Portsmouth as well. You know, I, I think that's going to be the next step for um, for Barnsley. They've, they've got um, an away game at, at Derby, not too far down the line. But I, I think, oh, you know, they're doing... They're, they're doing pretty well, and he can, he can please Neil Collins after you know coming in relatively um, well not late in the summer, but he didn't have too much preparation going into the season. 
the Barnsley lost one or two big players as well. Um, they've got that out of the system. Um, other players, and they've still got plenty of quality there, especially in midfield. And one or two of the, the summer signings are stepping up as well. Yeah, I think, you know, if you, if you look really since the back-to-back defeats they had at the end of August against Peterborough and Oxford at home, if you look at their record since then, it's it's pretty good, you know. Well, it's better than pretty good. It's very good, you know. There's been a couple of couple of defeats in there, you know, draw at Leighton Orient, but by and large, you know, for a, a League One side playing, you know, lots of those three game weeks that we just talked about, it's been pretty pretty consistent, you know. And we talked about uh, we talked about the time it's it it um, has taken Liam Rossini to lay a foundation at Hull. Obviously, Neil Collins had most of that foundation laid for him by by Michael Duff. But nevertheless, any new manager needs needs a bit of time uh, you know, to get to grips with with things. And and like Duff last season, it's been quite impressive how quickly Collins has has, has got to grips with this team and, and and got it performing by and large, I think, uh, how he how he would like it to. As Leon says, there's still there's still milestones to be achieved, but you know, we have to remember this is this is October in season one. You know, and as Leon said, not not even of a full pre-season for Collins. So, yeah, I think there's there's always things you can strive to do better. There is if you're Manchester City, never mind if you're if you're third in League One. But I think that that you know the general uh, direction of travel for Barnsley at the moment is is very good. And you know, again, if you'd have said to if you'd have said to Barnsley fans in the summer, you're going to you're going to lose Michael Duff, but in spite of that, you're going to be third in League One. You know, by the time the the nights start drawing in, I think you'd be I think you take that every day of the week. Um, you know, as I said, of course there's still things things to work on, but um, they're in they're in a, they're in a good place right now. Yeah. I think as well, just just to quickly say that um, no, I, I have mentioned that you know Barnsley have you know not yet beaten one of you know some of the better sides if you like it in League One. I think it's important also to say, however sure agrees me or not, it, it doesn't look as strong this season League One, and that's you know again mm. up to the teams that are in there. You know, there's obviously uh, Ipswich have gone, Plymouth, Sheffield Wednesday, three pretty big clubs at this level, and. Um, you know, the overall strength, even the year before, you know, I, I remember off the top of my head, I think, did Plymouth miss out on the playoffs with about something like 79 points, was it, or 80 points? Mm. And that was, a, that was, was another huge, top yeah. And, uh, you know, there's one or two, there look one or two decent sides, you know, mentioned Peterborough, Portsmouth, Oxford, you know, Bolton as well. But I think in terms of the overall strength, it's not, not as strong as it was last year. Even a big club like Derby were having they're having issues, aren't they, at the minute? So, um, mm. you know, if all things considered, Barnsley can get through, talking about January again, get to January and not have too many bumps in the road. They've had a few in the in, in, in the past, unfortunately. But if it's, you know, reasonably steady and they have a decent run on the, on the you know, injury front and they've had a little bit of an issue. See, this week, you know, Liam Roberts out with a, Finger operate, operate after a finger operation. So it's so if there's not too many issues in that regard, and that they can have a steady window. They, they, I wouldn't say they're shooing for the top six, but I think they'd be pretty disappointed if they didn't get in. 
Yeah, I think, you know, we talked before about that division being a division of, of two divisions, if that's not to use the same word too often. But um, as Leon said, with, with the teams leaving, there's, a, there's probably as many big names in their division this season. But as you as just alluded to, Derby aren't punching their weight. Wigan and Reading with all their financial problems and the, and the points deductions that have come with it. You know, they're not they're not the force you might expect them to be if you just looked at the name. You know, Charlton are sort of plodding along in, in, in the mid-table at, at the moment. So I, I do agree with Leon. It's not quite as intimidating uh, a division as it was. But, you know, even even if it was, Barnsley showed last season that that doesn't that doesn't mean anything to Barnsley. You know, they just they get they get on with their job and just max yeah. out sort of thing. And, and other clubs go through their their soap operas and, and that sort of thing. So it's 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 quite impressive the way that they haven't been. You know, people always talk about uh, player final hangovers, and and it's definitely significant. But on top of that, you know, they haven't been derailed by losing Michael Duff. You know, by losing you know, really big players like Anderson and, and, and Kitchen and uh, and James Norwood. They they've just kept a steady head, stuck to stuck to what they what they need to do. And that is the thing in that division where there's so many clubs with so much expectation on them. Sometimes it's the clubs that just get their head down and get on with it and don't don't mither about the fact that they don't have the same money or the same pulling power or the same crowds or whatever it is. You know, if you just if you just concentrate on what you've got and making the most of it, that's what Barnsley've been very good at. You know, in you know a lot of the recent seasons, let's put it that way, and uh, it looks like being a strength for them again. Yeah, and, and just just quickly, I think I think it's it's worth giving giving the board some some credit. They've had some stick mm. in the path for me included. You know, quite a few of the the appointments. In, you know, in terms of the head coach, haven't been particularly joined up. You know, you've sort of been there scratching your head, and you know the likes of, um, you know, without singling out, but I'll, I'll say him anyway, Marcus Shot. You know, that just didn't didn't seem to make sense after Ismail went. Right to others as well that left you sort of scratching your head a little bit. This one, you know, looked a bit joined up, didn't it? And um, you know, and all credit to credit to them for that, and credit to, to Neil Collins as well in his first job um, in. In England, he's he's made a nice start, you know, assisted by by John John Stead, and um, yeah, they're showing plenty um, plenty of uh, a promise. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, finally, before we go, we turn to our new section where I'll be asking Stuart and Leon for their team, uh, for, sorry, for their player and team of the week. Uh, so let's start with Stuart first. Uh, which team caught your eye this week, and then we'll go to uh, to Leon to see which player caught his attention. I think for me, in terms of the team, it, it's got to be Middlesbrough. You know, I, I, I saw I saw Middlesbrough at Sheffield Wednesday in, in mid-September and they looked all the things I was saying about Huddersfield before, you know, like Sheffield Wednesday. They just looked utterly bereft of confidence. You know, they were having a really difficult start to the season. They were having that playoff hangover, perhaps, that I've just talked about. Although, to be fair, they, they, they'd ended the season generally a bit poorly and maybe it was that carrying over and they they just looked in a bit of a bad way and they haven't looked back since they've won seven games on the trot since they in all competitions they're only outside of the playoffs on on goal difference um said it earlier in the podcast i'll say it again it it just shows that at times you just need to show a bit of patience um 
I think Michael Carrick needed needed to show he could get through it at a difficult time. And you know, it's a massive it's a massive feather in in his cap that he's just kept his nerve. You know, he's he's not an easy man to fluster. Michael Carrick stuck to what what he believed in believed in, and you know, Middlesbrough look a completely different prospect now. They look they look like the team I think we we all expected them to 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 be in August. It's taken them, you know, maybe six weeks into the season or something like that. But but now uh they are the Middlesbrough we we, we kind of expected. And um it's it's great to see the way he's turned things around. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think you sort of just quickly you sort of look at Middlesbrough at the start of the season. I think there's a um you could labour the point at them that maybe they threw one or two of the of the new signings in a little bit too quickly. Mm. You know, they've got quite a few project players, if you like, the Selververs of, of, of this world and Morgan Rogers. They were blooded early and, um, yeah, they had it tough in the, in the first uh, month or so, which, you know, it's not that unusual, isn't it, when you're not really a, a championship sort of um, acclimatised player and uh, have, have the... Um, Issues there, but you know, fair play. They've uh, they've sort of they've sort of come, come through that, and I, th- I think the impressive thing as well is they're having quite a few injuries to contend with, aren't they? As well, because there's obviously a, a big signing in the respect of the summer window in Lewis O'Brien. He's going to be out for a fair spell with an ankle injury. They've um, Darrell Lenehan's out at the minute. Um, Tommy Smith just got a bad injury as well. Um, there's talk of him not being available for the for the rest of the season. Riley McGree as well, but, you know, others have obviously got this momentum. You know, after the, um, I think that win against Southampton was a, was a huge win, wasn't it? Just to get them rolling again after the Sheffield Wednesday um, um, uh, draw, getting that first win. And, uh, yeah, some of these players that struggled in at the start of the season are, are finding the legs a little bit. And, uh, now we come to you, Leon. Um, which player uh, has caught your eye uh, in particular this week? Well, I'll probably say well, more because I was I was there on Tuesday. I'll have to put my hand up for um, Devante Cole. I mean, he was. I thought he was a, a real. Um, a lot of players got got plaudits last season for for Barnsley, and they and, you know they shared the load. You know, the Mads Andersons, Liam Kitchen, um, Luca Connell, Connell was. Who was tremendous, and I think it's important to remember as well. He's got to come in, back into the uh, into play for for Barnsley. But you know, Devante Gold was a you know a real success story last last season. You know, he's getting to that age now. That's seniority. Is you know, he's twenty eight, twenty nine. Always had this tag of being a bit of a, a bit of a, a journeyman going from club to club, and you know, he sort of showed the sporadic you know elements of his potential, but struggled for. The consistency, and he, you know, he's really found um, found a home at Barnsley. Sixteen goals last season. He got into double figures uh, um, for this season, and we're still in. Obviously, before the clocks go back, that's um, no mean feat. But you know, he scored a he scored a lovely goal. He, he started and finished a really polished move. Um, excellent assist for the for the second goal. He he totally hoodwinked um, Shea Dunkley, um, Shrewsbury's captain, who was. Sheffield Wednesday for a time, you know, made him look a bit of a mug and pretty unselfishly set up um, Callum style. So he's just looking a really good all-round player at the at the top of 
at the top of the game and a leader and a leader as well. You know, he, he shows some lovely t- touches uh, in his link play. His decision when to press was was very good. And um, yeah, and I think I think in the, the responsibility is sitting well on his on his shoulders. The I, I suppose the bit of the elephant in the room is the fact that uh, his contract is up uh, next summer and. One or two clubs had a look at him, from what I can gather, at the end of the of the summer window. So, if Cole does carry on as as he's doing, you'd expect some more concrete interest in in January. And he's a, uh, you know, Barzi's squad is decent, but little part of me worries if they do lose lose him. You know, with respect to what they've got in terms of the squad, he looks to be the one player that they could that they would struggle to to lose at the minute. But you know, hopefully not. Hopefully he can carry on in the vein he, that he's been doing and he can he can uh, he can stay at bars he certainly looks a, a, a happy and a, and a focused player and uh, you know he, he was he was outstanding in midweek and you know he's looking a real leader and it's been it's been great to see his progress over the last um, season a bit yeah yeah I think that's the big word isn't it Le- leader you know what we men- mentioned all the players that have been sold to have lost Luca Canal to this illness as well the 10 goals just sort of uh, spell it out but it's it's the way he stood up and taken leadership is yeah. it's so impressive and yeah great to see long may it continue yorkshirepost.co.uk Many thanks to Stuart Rayner and Leon Wobshall, who will doubtless join us again soon for more discussions on the Yorkshire football scene. But don't forget, you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging on to our website at yp.sport at nationalworld.com. Or if you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. If you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages or email us directly with the subject matter as footballtalkpodcast at yp.sport at nationalworld.com. As ever, many thanks for listening. Look after yourselves and bye for now.